Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Chinese Church in Christ, South Valley. How's that? More? Just a little bit. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. Okay. We've got this new setup where I can see you all on Zoom, which is nice. Well, I can see everyone's names, at least. Um, but it, it just it makes it feel like even though we're worshiping God in two places, that uh, we can see. I see Uncle Joseph's nice outdoor hat right now. That's fantastic. I love it. So it just makes it feel like we're more together this morning um, here today. Um, if you were with us last week, we introduced our new church theme for the 2022 year. And our church theme is this. It is, next slide, I think. Do not be anxious about anything. And I'm really thankful that as our elders were praying about what our church theme would be, that God laid this verse upon their hearts. Um, because uh, there, we know there is just so much for us to be anxious about in our world. I think I was a pretty anxious person even before the pandemic. And there is just so much that can fill our minds and just lead to anxiety that can cripple us in a lot of ways when we're thinking about it. And so I'm really thankful that this is the theme that we came up with. And if you know where this theme came from, because these words are very familiar, um, they come from the two verses we looked at last week, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And uh, it'll be up on the screen in a moment. And um, just to reread this, this is where our church theme comes from. And these are the verses we talked about last week. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we said, this is not, I don't think these verses are hard to understand, but I do think they are hard for us to put them into practice. It's one thing to understand, yes, Paul, an apostle of God, given everything he's been through in his life, and we talked about his circumstances, um, we can trust that these are good words for us to hear, but to actually not be anxious, we might think, our church theme is don't be anxious about anything. Do you know how many things might fill our, our minds that are uh, anxiety-ridden? It is an easy message, I think, for us to understand, but hard for us to put it into practice. And so that leads us to this question for this morning, because we're going to keep going in the next couple verses in the book of Philippians today. And that leads to the question, can I actually live out this church theme? Can I actually do it? Is it possible not to be anxious? We know anxiety can be a huge part of our lives. And so um, I'm thankful that in the next couple verses that we see in the book of Philippians, that Paul gives us some very great advice for how we might actually be able to live this out. So I want to read our main two verses for today. And this is the next couple verses, Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And Paul says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. 
What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so um, if we're asking ourselves, can I actually not be anxious? What I think Paul goes on to say here in these next couple verses is a huge factor in whether we can live this out, not to be anxious. It really matters what is in our mind and what we think about. And we will see that in the long description that he gives here. And that question, can I actually do it? When you ask the question, can I actually do something? A lot of it starts with our mindset. Um, I've been experiencing a new uh, phenomenon uh, that's been enjoyable with various results. Um, I like watching uh, these very nice um, uh, like cooking videos on YouTube. And then when I watch it, I'm like, I could do that. Because, I mean, I'm just seeing how they do it. And for me, I don't know, everyone learns differently, but I'm a visual learner. So I'll watch like a really nice like, you know, meal being prepared on YouTube. And I'm watching it, and I have this mindset, that doesn't look too hard. I think I could do it. Now, I've tried it. Sometimes it works, and it turns out pretty good. And sometimes it doesn't. But here's the thing. If I didn't have the mindset that I can recreate exactly what I just saw on YouTube, then I wouldn't even give myself a chance to try to do it. And even though the results have been mixed, Lenser and Rebecca, you could type in the chat how the fish tasted that I gave you yesterday. I don't know how good it was. Um, but um, without the idea that perhaps it's starting in the mindset I can do it, then like we're not going to be able to understand and live out these words that Paul says. There's a very famous book, um, The Power of Positive Thinking, by a man named Norman Vincent Peale. He was a pastor uh, for about 50 years in New York. And he wrote this book uh, in the 50s. And um, here's the Amazon description. You can still buy this book on Amazon. Um, and uh, while I think there's a deeper message for us in God's word about what we fill our minds with that we're going to talk about today, I think we would do well to read this book. I think we would gain something from it. And so here's the description that uh, they have on Amazon for this book. It says, this book will teach you to believe in yourself and everything you do, to build new power and determination, to develop the power to reach your goals, to break the worry habit and achieve a relaxed life, to improve your personal and professional relationships, to assume control over your circumstances, and to be kind to yourself. I don't know, that's pretty lofty, but this book has sold millions and millions of copies. Um, I've never actually read it myself, but I've heard a lot about it, uh, especially because it's been around for um, well over 50 years now. And so um, it's interesting because when you think about a verse like this, where Paul is challenging us to uh, consider what we think about, all this to say, our mindset matters. I'm very thankful for these verses. Um, when I was in college, uh, my pastor at the church I was attending in L.A., who eventually would become one of my seminary professors, he preached a message on these two verses. So shout out to Pastor Ben. I am stealing your title today, okay? Any copyright infringement, you can come after me. Uh, because he was my pastor and my professor, I'm sure he's going to be fine with it. But his message on these two verses was entitled, Thinking Matters. And what we fill our minds with 
is really going to play a role in whether or not we can actually live out this theme of not being anxious. And we might continue to say, but there are so many things in life for us to be anxious about. Can I actually not be anxious? And we will see how much our thought process, what we fill our minds with, how much that matters. Here are the three things we're going to talk about from this passage. First, we're going to see that our minds are always thinking. That's the truth about us as human beings with brains that have the power to process information. We're going to see that our minds are always thinking about something. And so then the, the natural progression in the passage is to see that there are many worthy thoughts to think, worth thinking about. That's really the, the, the body of these two verses, that there are so many descriptions of ideas, of things for us to think about that might help us, um, that, that we would do well to fill our minds with. And finally, we're going to see that this godly thinking brings peace. So first, we're going to see that our minds are always thinking. If you look at verse 8, the, uh, one of our strategies when we read the Bible to respect what the author is doing is to look for repeated words. Now, I don't know if you've been in a Bible study before where you noticed that a word, like maybe a non-spiritual like spiritual noun is repeated, and you're saying, oh, that's one of the key words. But the word whatever is repeated multiple times. Paul is encouraging the brothers and sisters at the church in Philippi. He's saying whatever is, and then fill in the blank, and we're going to talk about all those words in a moment, but look at how many times he uses the word whatever. And I think that's appropriate because what that shows us is there is, there is a space that gets occupied in our minds that is filled with so many things, right? It can mean all kinds of things. It could be good. It could be bad. But I don't know if you've had trouble sleeping. If there's a lot on your mind, you're sitting there, and maybe there are all kinds of thoughts that are racing through your head. And what that shows us is we have the capacity to think about so many different things. And I would say if we are struggling with anxiety, perhaps it is because of the different things that occupy the space in our mind and in our brain. And so if we think about Paul's, uh, Paul's encouragement to the Philippians um, during this time in the verses we saw last week, when he says, do not be anxious about anything, that's very challenging when we can fill our minds with all the things that we might be anxious about. And that's why the long list that Paul has um, in this passage for the Philippian brothers and sisters is going to be really important. But hopefully if we can slow down and think about what does our brain activity look like on a day-to-day -day level. And I was remembering back to long before the pandemic when I would share a challenge for me was I wanted to be able to fill my mind with godly thoughts or something related to my relationship with God when the day would start. And long before the pandemic started, I remembered my first reaction after turning off my alarm on my phone would be to check three things. And this was like before our phones were like updated to the point where we had all of the notifications that come so easily. But I would always immediately check my email immediately check Facebook, that tells you how long ago it was, right? And then immediately check Twitter to see all of the accounts that I follow and see all the information that could be there before I had even gotten out of my bed. And what I learned was this produced all kinds of anxiety in my mind and in my heart. 
And the reason for that is if I check my email and I could think about, okay, what's on my schedule for the day? I would immediately start to think about, oh man, what do I have to do today? If you're a student, you might think, okay, today's Monday, I have a test in this class, am I prepared for it? And before the day even gets started, our minds are just filled with anxious thoughts about what we need to do or what we're not prepared for. And we see this in all kinds of ways. And so it's a, we will, we'll talk about this at the end of the message as we think about how we're gonna put these verses into practice. Um, how we might be able to start with a different thought process. But when Paul uses the word whatever, he is, I, I believe that's a good word to talk about all these different adjectives that follow um, because it shows us that our minds think about so many different things. I remember in college when uh, it was probably the point where I played the, the most video games. Uh, don't put that into practice. I'm sharing this as an example of what not to do. Um, but there would be many times where if I played a bunch of games of the, the old Blizzard game, Warcraft 3, then I would go to sleep, and even in my dreams, I would see the same computer game characters over and over again. Um, or when I used to play even more simple games, like such as Tetris or something, if that's all your mind is filled with, like while you're sleeping, while you're dreaming, you'll see the blocks that are just like, and all the shapes that you can put them in, right? And what this is telling us is that there is so much space that our minds can occupy. And if we are used to immediately thinking about, what do I have to do today? What am I unprepared for? Or what, uh, what, is, or what uh, just is making me feel anxious? Then no wonder it is hard for us not to be anxious about things. And so I think what this shows is because of how God's created us with our brains, the capacity to process all kinds of information, our minds are a space that can be filled with, and then fill in the blank. It could be something very powerful, but it can also be something that can lead to the exact opposite of what Paul is encouraging the Philippian brothers and sisters here to do, not to be anxious about anything. So that's the first thing that we kind of see from looking at these verses, that our minds are always thinking about something. And if that's true, if our minds have the capacity to occupy all this space, then what we're going to see in Paul's description of what to think about, I think is very helpful for us. And that brings us to our second point in this passage. If our minds, if the first thing that we saw is that our minds are always thinking, this list, the bulk of verse eight, is a list of many worthy thoughts for us to think about. And though our minds could be stuck on fear or anxiety, Paul's encouragement to the Philippian brothers and sisters with this list it happens, I think, for a reason, to show us here, if you are struggling with anxiety, if there are things that fill your mind that lead to a rabbit hole of different thoughts, here are eight things that we see. They're not the only eight things that we could fill our mind with, but here are eight different things that might help our thought process as we start our day or as we combat the anxiety that we might feel. And it's very interesting when we see the order that Paul goes in. And so um, just for the sake of time, it's not like we can do a deep dive into what all of these words mean. And yet the fact that there's eight of them in this list, I think is very helpful for us to think about uh, what occupies the space in our brains. And so when Paul writes verse eight, he says, whatever is true. And we're gonna see all of these words in verse eight are helpful for us 
to think about what might be occupying the space in our minds. But it's very interesting that he starts with the word true. And I think that's because uh, all the other words that we're going to see, honorable, just, pure, lovely, these are all good things. But he starts with the idea of whatever is true. Um, and this is just kind of what I was thinking as I was reading it. There are multiple different ways that uh, commentators have kind of processed these different words um, in studying them. You could do a deep dive into how these words are used in Greek and other places, and we'll, we'll see that a little bit in future words. But it's very interesting. He starts with the word true. If the word true is what Paul mentions first, I think he's trying to describe that this process actually works, that there's actually something about thinking about all these words from a perspective of trusting God that it might actually help us. And this word, the Greek word for true, is used, in, uh, used uh, the most prevalently in the book of John. Now, the book of John was written later than Paul would have written this letter from Philippians, so it's not like Paul would have seen the word, the usage of this same word as John would use it. But if you're familiar with the Gospel of John, John's purpose and why he writes in great detail in the Gospel of John is to show that the events that took place in Jesus' life and the relationship that existed between Jesus and the disciples is something that actually took place. One of the theme verses in the book of John is towards the end of the, the book where he says, these words were written so that you may believe. And so I believe Paul is probably using this in the same way to show us that all of these concepts that he's trying to help uh, encourage the Philippian brothers and sisters with, if they're not true, then what does it matter? And that's why he starts with the word true here. Um, I wanted to share a quote that we talked about in our First Kings series that comes from uh, one of our well-known guest speakers who's been a friend of our church for much time, um, Dr. David Ekman. But in First Kings 19, where we saw Elijah deeply depressed, one of the things that we talked about in that passage was that our minds have the tendency to believe in lies. And I shared with you, like, one of the lies I believe is that, like, if I get to church and I'm, like, the first one here, I'm, like, what if no one shows up today? What if no one cares? What if I'm the only one here? And it's a lie that, like, sometimes occupies my mind. That's why I'm glad I have this nice screen here seeing all your, all your names on the side because it's, like, it's not only the in-person crowd, but it's, like, hey, we really are all together here. I haven't been able to see that for, like, the last, like, couple months preaching. So it's really nice to see all your faces, or all your names, and one face, so. But anyway, um, oh yeah, before we go into that quote, it's interesting, because this long list, I think Paul did a similar thing when he was encouraging the brothers and sisters in the Colossian church. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're familiar with a lot of Paul's writings, you'll know that even though uh, the book of Colossians comes after Philippians in your Bible, chronologically, that's not how it went. The letter to the Colossians was written a couple years before uh, the letter um, to the church at Philippi. And in, this, in his encouragement to the Colossians, who were experiencing somewhat different circumstances, Paul says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so I think this is a good kind of contextualization for the list that we're reading through here, where Paul is talking about the fact that if you are a believer, if you are receiving this letter from him, the encouragement is coming from the truth that you have been raised with Christ. And that's what sets us free to think with a different thought process. 
And yet, for many of us, if we struggle with anxiety, I think a lot of times it comes from lies that come from all kinds of different places, but the primary culprit is Satan himself wanting to deceive us. And that was true in the life of Elijah um, when we saw him at his most depressed state in 1 Kings chapter 19. And I shared this quote with us when we were doing that, um, when we were doing that series, and it comes from uh, Dr. David Ekman, someone who has taught in um, uh, the seminary close by, uh, Western, and he's written a bunch of books that we've used in our church for past studies. Um, but I really found this quote helpful where he says, feelings do not authenticate truth, but they do authenticate our understanding and integration of the truth. And what we talked about is for Elijah, when he is deeply depressed because he's just experienced this great miracle, this great victory over like the, the prophets of Baal with this incredible miracle, he was thinking that was going to be the turning point for God's people. And yet still many people did not change their thinking or how they believed. Now here's the thing. Some did, but he thought more, more would do it. And he had this mindset, God, you did this miracle, but no one believed, which actually wasn't true. There were some people who did believe. There were people who had been faithful to following God. But in his disappointment and in his depressive thoughts, he thought, I'm the only one. Now, that is something that happens to us where in in our anxiety or in our disillusionment, we think, I'm the only one who's hurting. No one else is going through the same thing. And while that's not true, what Dr. Ekman is not saying here is that your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings don't matter. That's not what he's saying. All of those things matter. But he's also trying to get us to see that our minds have the tendency to believe in lies when we think about the things of this earth. And that is a way where Satan, who is often called the great deceiver, wants to take our minds off of the right things and fix them on all of the things that can cause anxiety. And how that, and then I I love that Dr. Ekman uses the word integration, because what this shows us is what we fill our minds with will affect the way that we live and will affect the way that we experience what is going on in life. And so I think that's where it's helpful that Paul starts off with this encouragement. Think about what is true. And what I've had to realize for my own life is if there are times where I feel uh, where I'm struggling with my own self-worth or where I'm struggling with my direction, I have to remind myself or I have to allow other brothers and sisters to remind me where my, uh, where my ultimate identity comes from. Could we go back a couple slides to the Colossians verse? And Paul says to the brothers and sisters at the church in Colossae, if then you have been raised with Christ, that's the truth that he's asking them to consider. Now for us, if we are struggling with anxiety, perhaps the first thing that we need to remember is our security and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And there are so many lies, so many falsities that the devil or that this world use to try to get us to believe something else. And I think that's why it's so powerful that Paul starts with this word, think about whatever is true. And so the next word that Paul uses in Philippians 4.8 is the word honorable, whatever is honorable. So he starts with whatever is true as something that he's encouraging us to think about, and then he talks about the word honorable. Um, when you do a search in the Bible, um, this, this word is most uh, the, the best kind of um, correlation with this verse in Philippians, or with this word honorable, is used in 1 Timothy 3, 
where the context for that verse is that Paul is trying to describe who, uh, who kind of qualify, best qualifies as church leaders, as elders, as deacons. And it's got this idea of the word dignified. And so it kind of gives us this sense of what the word honorable means. And so when you think of someone who's uh, qualified to be a church leader, like if you think about all of the qualities that you might see in that person, Paul is saying, this is something that's good for us to think about, right? And that's a good definition for the word honorable. Now we're going to quickly go through each of these words because there's or phrases because there are eight of them. Um, but hopefully what we're going to see is this list that Paul gives us that can be helpful um, for us to fill our minds with all of these ideas. The next thing that Paul says is whatever is just. And when you do a study of this Greek word that he's using, um, I'm reading from the ESV. Some of our versions might not say just. It might say whatever is righteous. And the idea is that someone who, uh, the word just, as Paul would be using it, and as his original audience would be understanding it, is someone who is dead set on keeping the commandments of God. And that's where you get the synonym righteous in some English versions. And so uh, that's what this is saying, is there is something, there is something good about thinking about what, what it looks like to really deeply value the commandments of God. And then next, he says, whatever is pure. Um, the word pure could uh, mean a lot of different things. Um, it makes me first think of if you buy uh, like drinking water from the store, a lot of times it says purified water. If you go to, uh, if you fill up those big giant uh, water jars at the, at the, that you might bring um, for drinking water because your tap water is not uh, good enough to drink, what you're kind of saying is this water is tainted in some way and I'll use it to wash the dishes or shower, but it's not good enough for me to drink. And that's why a lot of the stores have the sign like purified water or uh, because we have many Hispanic uh, people living in this area, agua pura, right? You might see that on the signs um, because it's advertising this water is clean enough to drink. And so when the word pure is uh, used synonymously with the idea of, cl of, of uh, cl uh, clean, perfectly clean, um, there's, that's, water is the first thing that comes to mind for me. It might also make us think of like if you're doing laundry and you're washing like a white tablecloth or white sheets, like getting it perfectly clean without like all the stains. Um, don't look too closely at our white tablecloths here at church um, because we haven't been able to get all of the stains out of them. Um, and that, that gives us a good idea of what the word pure might mean. And, um, and so uh, when I was looking at the usage of uh, some of the other places where this, where this word comes up in Greek, um, one of the, uh, one of the uh, commentators that I read um, connected this with the idea of praising God because he is set apart from anyone else, because he's different. That's what it means. He's pure because he's without sin, right? And what this made me think of was that um, sometimes in our prayer meetings before service, we have this process called the ACTS prayer, right? And the ACTS, ACTS is an acronym that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. And when you start your prayers by adoring God for who he is, it's not based on anything that uh, any like answered prayer requests or anything is, but it's simply about who he is as God, um, as our Heavenly Father. And so um, I think that helps direct our prayers because it's not immediately okay, what are my like, prayer requests for this day? 
but it's first praising God for who he is. And I think that's a good picture of what it means to be pure. Paul also says, whatever is lovely. What do we think about when we see the word lovely? <laughs> Have to point this out. For those of you on Zoom, you can actually, uh, I don't know if you could see it today. No, you can't. So Peter Chen did a great thing and just pointed at his wife when I said, what, what do you think of when you think of the word lovely? And that's the most common description in Greek is like a good, something of good appearance, right? And so um, while that's a very general phrase, um, to think about something that's lovely or of good appearance, I think there's great value in that if, this is, if the theme of this is that Paul is encouraging the Philippian brothers and sisters to think about all of these things. Next, he says, whatever is commendable. Um, and a good description of this is something that sounds good, something that kind of gives off a good sign or a good appearance. Um, it's similar to, to the word lovely. And as he's using these words, we're starting to see some overlap in how they, might be, uh, how they might be described. And I think there's reason for that, which we'll get into for a minute. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. Um, but the word commendable uh, means worthy. Uh, it, 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 it's going to coincide with the last phrase that says worthy of praise. If someone receives a medal of commendation, it's usually for something good that they've done, right? And that kind of ties into the next word that we're going to see. Um, where he says, if there is any excellence. Uh, that's the ESV translation of this word. Um, when you do a word study on the Greek word that Paul used here, um, excellence might be a tad misleading for us. And the reason for that is in Silicon Valley, we are a very driven group of people, uh, very successful people who make a lot of money, who achieve a lot of things. Um, but the Greek word um, would be more uh, closely defined as uh, virtue, or someone who's, uh, someone who's morally excellent. Like that's kind of what the Philippian brothers and sisters would be understanding as they are hearing this. And so I think that um, it, it's synonymous with the other words, pure, lovely, commendable. And then finally, Paul says, uh, if there is anything worthy of praise, that sounds very similar to the word commendable that we just saw. Now, if obviously you can tell I'm not doing a deep like dive on the like the the deep meat, the roots of all these words or anything. We've talked a little bit about how um, the Greek definitions might apply, but here's the point: if they're starting to sound similar in some way, this list exists because of Paul's encouragement at the end of verse eight. When you think of these words, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. This is his exhortation to the brothers and sisters. Think about these things. Think about them. This isn't just Paul writing a list for no reason, but for the Philippian brothers and sisters who would be receiving this letter um, in a time where the early church is being established and there was much persecution, he is saying it is vital for us to think about all of these things. And this is a good chance for us to remember the circumstances where Paul is writing this from. Paul is writing this letter from prison. It's not like his circumstances are that he is perfectly experiencing all of these things, but it is his encouragement to others to say, thinking about these things really matters. And I think the importance of this list, even though we might say, like, 
Some of these words sound the same. How do we tell one from another? And that's a, that's a good question. I think his point from this is saying there are many worthy things worth thinking about. It's not limited just to these eight words or phrases that Paul says. Um, if you read other things by Paul, you will know the Apostle Paul loves his lists, right? In the book of Ephesians, where he's talking about all the blessings that we have, there's a long description in chapter 1 of all of the blessings that we have that come from God. The Apostle Paul loves his lists. But the point of this is saying, look at all the options that we have to think about. And I think that's so helpful when a lot of times my first thought when I wake up in the morning is, what am I not prepared for today, right? And he is saying, look at the list of worthy thoughts that we have. Think about these things. And that is his encouragement to the Philippian brothers and sisters. If we are saying, do not be anxious about anything, it is, is something that's challenging. Paul is saying, this list gives you options of what we can fill our minds with. And I think that's something that when we put it into practice, we will find that it actually helps us. How? That leads us to our final point for this morning, which is that godly thinking leads to peace. And it's a promise that we see that God gives us. There are different, um, there are different uh, covenants that you see throughout the Old Testament. Some of them are what you call unconditional, and some of them are conditional. And I think here... Um, this is not commenting on whether our salvation is secure uh, or not, but what it is saying is when it comes to anxiety, the blessing of being raised and set apart, as Paul was saying to the Colossian brothers and sisters that we saw in Colossians uh, chapter 3, verse 1, if we think about these things, then this is where our relationship with God helps us experience this peace that deep down we are looking for, even though we might think that there is something deeper than the peace of God, whether it's a job or a uh, relationship or the right salary or getting into the right school. There are all these things that we think that will ultimately make me happy. And yet, I think what we see in the description of verse 9 is very helpful for us. And that's where we see our third point. Godly thinking leads to peace. Let's read verse 9 this morning. So after Paul writes this list of all of these great thoughts that we could think about, this is what he says. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I don't think this is that hard to understand. It might be hard for us to actually live this out or put this into practice, but logically, what we're seeing here is the Apostle Paul is saying, if you think about these things, if you're not focused on, like, am I getting into the right school? Am I making enough money? Am I, going, am I getting the right job? If you're thinking about these things, then the peace of God will be with you. This is not the first time that Paul has said this. This is my third point for this sermon is basically the exact same thing as the third point from last week's sermon. Why? If we go to the next slide, we see here a comparison between Philippians 4.7 that we saw and Philippians 4.9. Look at verse 7 that we ended with last week. Um, when it says, do not be anxious, but present your request to God, if you give your request up to God, it doesn't say he will answer exactly what you're praying for. It says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, that's a word indicating certainty, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here in verse 9, if you think about all these things, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. It's very similar. In both cases, it is a promise where we see if we do, if we're following Paul's logic, what Paul is saying is if you present the anxieties upon your heart, your prayer requests, if you present them to God, it doesn't mean he's going to answer, but he will give you his peace. But if we're having trouble feeling his peace, then what that means logically is we're not trusting God with all of our anxieties. Or in verse 9, where it says, if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. But if our minds are on our, what is on my schedule today? What do I need to study for? What am I not prepared for? What video game characters am I seeing in my thoughts right now? If our minds are on all of those things, then of course we are not going to experience the peace of God. But if we fill our minds with whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, all this long list that we've seen, Paul is saying the God of peace will be with you. It is a promise that we see here. And that's why in verse 9, he encourages the Philippian brothers and sisters. Thinking about these things matters, and putting them into practice matters as well. And when we do, we will experience the peace of God. And I think as he is writing this, I think the Apostle Paul is such a good representation of this. If he is writing this from prison, you can imagine all of the anxieties that he could be tempted to think about. And yet, what he's doing as he is spending this time in prison is writing letters to the churches of the people he knows very well in the hopes of encouraging all of them. And it's a way where he is living this out. So how do we put this into practice? And that brings us to, uh, I want to finish with some just suggestions um, for how we might be able to apply this. As I shared with you what my pre-pandemic morning routine was, checking my email, checking Facebook, checking Twitter, I, I realize, and this is still a battle for me during the pandemic when everything is like virtual, it's like, I, I don't immediately check my email or check Twitter anymore right when I wake up, but I've realized like what is the, usually the first thing that's on my mind when I wake up, like usually is do I have any coffee left in the refrigerator? Because that's gonna help jumpstart my day so I can actually wake up. And that's not a bad thought. I think that's an improvement over looking at uh, like social media in like a very groggy state. But I've also experienced if there are times when I start my day like thinking about the fact that God loves me or reading a psalm or thanking God for who he is, that is putting my mind, but it's focusing me on something very different than all of the other things that I might read about on social media to get my day started, right? That's right. That's right. And that's why as I'm sharing about coffee, I'm saying there's something that I want to put first before I drink my morning coffee. Um, I realize this on Sundays, I actually have a different routine. Like a lot of times to get me in the mood to like preach or whatever I'm doing at church, like I, I immediately play some kind of like worship song uh, from my phone or from my laptop uh, while I'm making my coffee. But as I'm looking over my notes or preparing for what I'm gonna say that day or thinking about all the things that are on my mind, I've realized 
it might be somewhat subconscious, but starting the day listening to a song of praise actually calms my mind so much more than if I'm just starting my day and thinking about, okay, I'm going to drink my coffee, I'm going to eat my breakfast, I'm going to look at my schedule, I'm going to think about all of these things. No wonder we live as anxious people when our minds are competing with so many different forms of attention. And so just a couple, um, just a couple of suggestions for how we might be able to put this into practice. Um, as I was sharing about the prayer of adoration from the Acts prayer, if we can start the day saying, God, thank you that you are the God of this universe and that you love us, and that you've forgiven me for all the ways that I've fallen short. Or if we spend time thanking God, God, I thank you that you've given me another day, that you've given me a, a home to live in, that you've given me food to eat. Like that is not a given for people around the world, and that's something we can be thankful for. And when we do that, I think that radically reshapes what we're filling our minds with as we start the, as we start the day. And as I mentioned, we could also worship, listen to some kind of worship song or something that I've done that I have found really helpful that I would like to get back in the habit of doing before my morning coffee is figuring out where I left off in the book of Psalms and reading a psalm each morning. Because then what am I doing? I'm filling my mind with this list of what Paul says that really matters to help us experience the peace of God. And so these are, I don't think these are hard things for us to do outside of just all of the normal like distractions that we have. I think in the same way where I can watch a YouTube video of some like nice meal that I want to cook, I look at it and I can say, this is possible. And I think when I read this list where the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you can think about these things. You have other options than only thinking about the job you don't have yet or the school you haven't gotten into yet, or whatever anxieties fill our hearts, he's saying, look at the other worthy options we have to think about. That is how we will go through the year 2022, not being anxious. That is how we will be able to experience the peace of God. So just these are a couple um, just helpful um, suggestions that I think, and if you come up with others, um, please let me know. I would love to hear them, how God might be helping us experience uh, his peace in the midst of a very anxious world. So ironically, as I was also later scrolling through social media this morning, I came across a post from the UCLA women's basketball head coach. And as, a, um, as an inexperienced uh, basketball coach who's just getting started on their coaching journey, I enjoy reading things that um, other coaches have to say. And the UCLA women's basketball team actually had a pretty turbulent week. Um, because of players who are out because of COVID and because of players who are out because they're injured and not able to play, when they were playing a game that, uh, with another top team in the conference that would have made a big difference in the conference standings, it was determined they could not play the game because they didn't have enough healthy players available to play. Imagine thinking you're hosting one of the top teams, Oregon's a really good team, coming to play, your fans are coming to watch, it's going to be on TV, you're doing all that you can to prepare only to find out we have to forfeit the game because we don't have enough, enough healthy players. That's a lot to go through, for, uh, especially for athletes at that kind of, the Division I level is so competitive. And on her Twitter this morning, the UCLA women's coach, Corey Close, she posted a nice picture from a walk she was on this morning. And she said, good morning, world. I am choosing to embrace the good works that are prepared in advance for me to do. 
this sunrise was a darn good reminder. Now, thinking about how, if that's her job, and it's a very high-profile one, to experience all of the turbulence, and then to see the sunrise as a good reminder to embrace the good works that she's going to be able to do, if I were in her shoes, I probably wouldn't be thinking that way. I, I can imagine myself being filled with the disappointment of not being able to play a very important game. And yet, um, I am not, I have no idea uh, if she's a believer in Christ, um, and it, I don't think it's my place to speculate, but if I had to guess, I would think that she's a woman of faith, especially hearing the phrase, good works that are prepared for me in advance to do. Biblical words, right? And so I found that really uh, powerful to see that someone who had gone through such a turbulent week could start their day thinking about like good works that are there for her to do. And that's what shows what our mindset is like, what fills our minds really matters. And I think that's a great, uh, for, for, the, for this coach, I think that's such a great comparison um, in a, um, with all due respect to her, because I think it's commendable that she would post something like that. I think it, it, it shows us what it must have been like to be the Apostle Paul, being in prison, showing us that it's possible not to be anxious, but that you can experience the peace of God. How? When we present our request to him and when we think about godly things. It is a worthy goal for us, but I believe it's something that we can attain. When I see that wonderful recipe on YouTube, I think, I think I can do this, and I'm not fully sure, and even though I don't have a 100% success rate, I've been, very, like, I've been very happy when it goes well. But in a much more serious manner, I think what this teaches us is that this is not something that's easy because of all the distractions that are out there. But it is the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the brothers and sisters in the Philippian church, look, you can experience this peace. And in 2022, when all we have to do is read any news outlet to immediately start to see the chaos that exists in our world or to think about all of the anxieties that exist in our lives, we can experience the peace of God when we remember who he is and when we think about godly things. So let's set our minds on things above. Paul also writes to the Roman church in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What we think about matters. And if we think about the truth that God loves us, that he sent his son to die for us, that in all of our shortcomings, that when we believe in him, he washes us clean and he loves us as his sons and daughters in Christ. When we think about that truth, I believe that's life-changing for us to understand what is really true, what is really pure, what is really life-giving for all of us. And those are thoughts that can help us experience the peace of God. And I pray that as we go through this year, and I love this because this passage is so connected to last week's passage. Like a lot of times we have our new year theme and then we forget about it the week later. We are not going to be able to go through the year 2022 without experiencing anxiety. And yet when we fill our minds with godly things, we will be able to experience the peace of God. And though I have no idea what this year holds um, with the future of the pandemic or all of the other chaos that exists in our world, what I am excited to do is I am excited to experience the peace of God with you all as we fill our minds and our hearts with things from above.
And so I hope and pray that we will do that this year and we will really experience what it is like not to be anxious about anything. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you show us a different pattern of thought. God, that though there are many worldly conventions that are easy for us to think about, God, I thank you that you've given us your word to encourage us uh, just with thoughts that can fill our minds, that can help us experience the peace of God. So God, I thank you for these truths, and I pray that you would be helping us put them into action. And God, so that we might be able to encourage one another um, to see how we might live out uh, this truth. God, that we can really believe that we don't have to be anxious, but God, that we can submit all of our anxieties, all of our anxious requests up to you. And God, we could, fill our, we could fix our minds on what is good, what is just. We can want to live for you, God, and see how that might be changing our lives. We thank you, God. We know none of this would be possible without the love and the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that this morning. And I pray, God, as we sing this last song together, and God, as we, tr- as we fix our minds um, on uh, just on what is good, what is noble, what is pure, God, that we would be experiencing the peace of God together. We thank you for this time. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.